When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sift Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that doesn't need special effects to deal with our facial hair, it's Sift Pop. Welcome to Sift Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com, and each week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. In that voice you hear, he's back. It's the no longer mustached man. It's Andrew Armsby. Ahoy! So good to have you back, man. Oh, so good to be back. And the, so good. The clapping you hear in the background is our special guest guru. We don't mean to overshadow you. It's Barrett from Music Video Sins. Woo! Yo, yo. Man, this is exciting. Barrett's on the podcast. Andrew's back on the podcast. Mm. These are good days, man. We're going to have some fun. We'll, uh, yeah. We've got a lot to talk about, uh, but I just want to do some quick catching up. Uh, we'll start with you, Andrew. How's it been? Uh, well, as you guys know, I was going through some stuff mentally that uh, was incredibly scary for me, and I decided that the healthiest thing for me to do was to take a break from everything. Yeah, I have officially retired from YouTube, will not be going back to that, um, and it was kind of up in the air if I'd be coming back to this. Sure. Uh, I do want to make it clear that I am not back in full force. This is more or less a trial run just to right. see how I do, uh, and... Uh, but at the same time, I said this in the pre-show, but this is podcast proper, so I want to say it again. To you, Barrett, everybody in the that's listening right now, that's on Twitter, YouTube, everybody, I just want to th- say thank you so, so much for the support you've been sending me. It really has gone a long way in helping me get better. Still not 100% back or, you know, back to where I was, but at the same time, it I don't think that I would have made the progress I have if it wasn't for all the kind words and messages that people have been sending my way. So thank you so, 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 so very much. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Man, it's God bless so, you, man. Yeah, it is so great to uh, to hear your voice, to have you back, to see your beautiful bearded face. Mm, um, thanks, bro. Yeah. It, no, it really is. And um, I think there's you know, there's certainly some things to talk about. I know I received messages, and I'm sure you did as well, from people who took strength in your decision, who you know said that that it took a lot of strength for you to do what you did to step away and those kind of things, and how encouraging it is to see somebody put their mental health uh, above things like you know uh, the work or the internet kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I I receive those messages personally and pass those on to you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been awesome stuff. And I think what we'll do is we've got a special Thanksgiving episode next week. And I think Andrew has agreed to record some stuff with me for that. And maybe we'll even talk a little bit more about your journey and kind of your story and whatever you're willing to share, whatever you want to share about that and post that for a, a special episode. So it, it might be therapeutic for me, but hopefully if in the telling of my story, 
not ma- mainly for me. I hope that, you know, if somebody's listening who is struggling with the stuff I was going through, hearing that they're not alone, that there are other people that are going through this as well, that that hopefully the help that I received, they can seek out as well, and it will be just as beneficial for them. That's mainly what I hope to uh, gather from or to get from what we record after mm-hmm. this podcast for next week. Yeah. Uh, Barrett, I know that's kind of been your background uh, as well as far as dealing with, you know, mental health issues, those kind of things. I've, I've heard you talk about it. So I think it's appropriate that right. you're hanging out with us today. You have any thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, the guy, hey, listen, Andrew, I, I think I saw, yeah, I did see your video message, I believe from like the ER or the uh, or the hospital, right? Yeah. Uh, I made that, actually two that of stuff. Them. <laughs> Okay, that stuff is is super powerful because it's exactly what you're saying. It's that the more word gets out, the more people that have the strength to do the stuff that you did, uh, to have the awareness of of what you had, and then the the, the know how to do to know what to do afterwards. Uh, that message cannot be repeated enough. Um, I've spent a lot of my life spreading that word, and the fact that. Uh, that that you could do that and we can do this and continue to talk about it is going to be something. It, it's incredibly powerful. And God bless you. I'm really, really glad that you're doing well. But I, I guarantee you that you help, helped at least a few people uh, with their issues too. Yeah. So I really do appreciate you saying that. I really do. And I do hope that in my personal struggle, it's been able to help others as well. That's mainly what I want to come out of all this. Even more, it may sound, you know, I don't want this to sound humble braggy, but I hope that I hope more that I've helped other people through my struggle than my own struggle has caused me, if that makes sense. No, sure. Well, it's, there's so many things in life uh, that, that we can, that are negative, that are awful, you know, that that we go through and we have to deal with. And there is some really powerful encouragement when positive things can happen after those things. It's not that the things themselves are good, right? Like it's not it's not that it's awesome that you're going through this or that it's yeah. awesome that a tragedy happens or be, it because there are good things that happen. It's just beautiful that there can be beautiful things after, you know, the the beautiful flower that grows after the forest fire kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So it's um yeah, I hear exactly what you're saying in that. I think that and I don't want this to turn into a th- therapeutic podcast (laughs) but for next week (laughs) yeah uh, i do hope that you know people realize that we all strive to have a happy life but it's the darkness that we have to sometimes go through and how we deal with it that really define really what type of person we are like if you're able to meet those challenges head on or to realize in some instances that you're not strong enough to deal with it on your own and be brave enough to ask for help that that really shows what type of person you are sure. and we you should strive to be uh always happy but always have the mental awareness to be able to ask for help when you're not that strong yeah no that's such a, a key Absolutely. element of everything well it's great to have you back barrett it's great to have you on as well uh we're gonna get into yeah. some uh some fun discussions here on justice league and some other things we'll of course have our buried treasure at the end we've got a pretty cool sift quest question that i'm excited to get to uh, our best ever challenge today is best ever j movies uh best ever movies that start with the letter j that's gonna be fun 
Uh, and of course, we're going to talk Justice League and review that. Uh, but first, Andrew, you got some Do We Care for us? Every single week when I'm here, I <laughs> scour the internet to find out what is going on in the pop culture world. I pick three topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether or not we care about to discuss them further or not. Number one. Ryan Johnson will direct his very own Star Wars trilogy after this current saga is finished. Johnson's saga is being guarded carefully, obviously, as all Star Wars properties are, but it is known that it will not be a part of the Skywalker saga. Do we care? Yeah, that's the, that's the quickest and easiest yes I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you think about all this stuff, Barrett? Oh yeah, I totally care. Now, what I don't understand though is so he's he's signed on to direct all three of them as of right now. Yeah, I think he's he's yeah. they're kind of like looking to him to shepherd this new trilogy. And I, right now, I think he's thinking he'll direct all three of them. But I wouldn't be surprised if he acts more of a kind of a producer force yeah. uh, behind them. So yeah, I mean, when you when you get into like obviously George Lucas knew enough during the, uh, the 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 first trilogy, the original trilogy, to turn over to Irvin Kershner and then to uh, Richard Marquand to to get their vision of his story together, and I think that's what worked so well. And then when Lucas comes back and directs all three of the prequels, that's where you go off the rails because I don't know whether you're singularly obsessed with your your vision with with no other perspective. I think that's where you can run into into issues. Now, obviously, Ryan Johnson has given us no reason to to doubt his ability, so he could probably pull it off. Yeah. What I want to know is, do you guys think that uh, hearing that he's getting his own trilogy, do you think that that's uh, Disney kind of giving their hand on how confident they feel The Last Jedi, which Johnson is directing coming out next month, do you think that that's kind of showing their hand how confident they are that people are going to love The Last Jedi? Oh yeah, I yeah I don't mm -hmm. think they would have announced this if they had any concerns whatsoever about Episode Eight. Yeah, because Johnson is hopefully people know this going in, but Johnson's not known for making happy-go-lucky films. If you look at <laughs> Looper and Brick, especially Brick, he has made some dark films. So I'm kind of expecting kind of an Empire Strikes Back, like maybe this is the the not Sith per se, but the darkness pushing back kind of in that sense. I think he's going to make the godfather of the Star Wars uh, universe. I think he's... Wow. I, I really think he's going to go <laughs> for... <high> praise. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think that's what he's going to go for. I think he's going to go for a, a sweeping, intricate uh, story between characters that we have never met or know nothing about uh, in this universe. And... Uh, at least, I, I mean, that's that's just the instinct I get is through who he is as a director and kind of the carte blanche that they've given him. I think he wants to go big on this. Okay. So so you don't think he's going to be doing a character people are familiar with? Like, you don't think he's going to be doing the Boba Fett story I, or he's going to do the no, Yoda no. prequels? I, I, said this, uh, I said this last week uh, during our SIFT quest, but um, I, I think the best case scenario is that this is material not based on any known existing Star Wars material, books, anything. Like that it's whole cloth, new story is best case scenario. Because I think that's the primary way, uh, especially in the Star Wars universe, where you don't need to worry about, uh, you know, 
stoking the interest. The interest is already there, right? So you don't have to base it on something to get people interested. Uh, and I think it just it allows for the best storytelling to have that blank slate. So that's that's where I think they're going to go. I would not mind a the origin of the division between Sith and Jedi. I think that might be interesting. Yeah. No, that's cool. No, I, I could totally dig on that. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Barrett? No, I'm excited. Keep them coming, man. I mean, uh, you know, look at Rogue One. Look at uh, Force Awakens. We've, we've got a good, unlike DC, we've got a very, very good track record so far. Yes. <laughs> Truth. I totally agree. Truth. What do you got at number two? Number two, Marvel was in talks this week to possibly purchase 21st Century Fox or to purchase the rights to X-Men and the Fantastic Four back. Even though it looks like this deal will not be finalized, a hypothetical for you guys, whether or not it is good for Disney to control so much of the entertainment world. My my standard answer is no, it is an awful idea, and I'm 100% for it. <laughs> i don't know i i really have such cognitive dissonance on this i really do like Aaron's sitting over here praise the monopolies <laughs> no it's an awful idea from a from a overarching you know monopoly like you say standpoint for them to own basically every movie company there is yeah uh, and when you say marvel i mean obviously it's disney is the parent company that's doing all this exactly um but man i trust them so much much more than I trust what 20th Century Fox is doing with yeah, Fantastic Four, especially. They have blown Fantastic Four. Like, that should have been... Uh, I mean, I should say I actually enjoyed the first Fantastic Four movies quite a bit more than most people do, actually. Um, but hmm. Well, more than this, this newest film, at least. Yeah. Well, certainly more than that. Um, and Silver, Silver Surfer has a ton of problems. But that first Fantastic Four movie... Uh, that's an enjoyable watch. I've actually gone back to that within the last couple of years, and uh, I, I enjoy those characters. But a lot of that has to do with the characters themselves, and they have been just uh, just shepherded so poorly. So I, there is part of me that's like, this would be amazing and also awful, and how can it be both? <laughs> so yeah, what are your thoughts, Barrett? But you also well, you also have Fox that that nailed. What'd you say? Sixty-five percent of the X-Men movies. Nailed right? is, I mean, nailed even is more. generous, Maybe. but yeah, they've they've certainly done well. Three first at, one, three at least. Second yeah. one, first class. Uh, first class. I like Days of Future Past. Yeah. Then he got Logan. Oh, yeah. Then he got uh, Deadpool. So like, I I think that's somewhere around like sixty percent. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's better than the Fantastic Four. You know, right? Uh, yeah. Properties, but. <laughs> I mean, I, I really, I generally like what they do with both versions of X Men, or all three versions when you call Logan and all that stuff. Um, so it, it's you're right; it's so weird that they can do so well at one thing sixty percent of the time, and then they can do so poorly at, at something else. You know, even though that first fantastic, I agree with you on that first Fantastic Four movie. I think it's enjoyable, but it's certainly not a great movie, right? So, but they've got such rich characters that they can actually draw on. That they're just they're just screwing up. So you know, I, I, they're going to marvelize everything. That's the the issue that I have with with Marvel. Even in something as inventive as Thor Ragnarok, you could still see the marvelized moments in that movie uh, that were you know outside of the purview of Taika Waititi. So 
Yeah, that's what you're going to get. I mean, and people like it, obviously. So, you know, more power to them, I guess. Yeah, I guess I would get excited about their version of rebuilding the X-Men universe because I feel like we would get I feel like we would get a broader X-Men universe. Like we would get a story on a particular uh, mutant and then a story on another particular mutant, and then an eventual team up move. You know what I'm saying? Like they would. Yeah. I feel like they would t- take their time a little bit more. They would, but that that's what I thought was. I'm sorry to hijack the conversation, but I, that's what I thought uh, they did so well, especially in those first two X Men movies, uh, the X Men and X Two. Uh, I thought that they had a huge cast, and I was like, ah, oh, it's going to be too many heroes, too many villains. But those two movies in particular were able to strike a balance to where. They had good introductions, and they had a character arc, and you cared about these guys, you know? Same thing with X-Men First Class. So I think, you know, those examples are are able to introduce these heroes in a group context without having to go through all that buildup that Marvel started with Iron Man. Sure. I guess I'm just missing, other than than Wolverine, I'm missing, like, the Nightcrawler movie. You know what I mean? Like, just the movie that really focuses in on what makes that character that character. Uh, and so Marvel seems to have a at least a, a different way of approach on that that is that allows those characters to really shine in their own universe before uh, the team up kind of stuff happens. This is going to be a bad joke, but as soon as you guys mentioned Taika Waititi, the first thing that went through my mind is this is how I wanted the Marvel Fox uh, meeting to go. Just some guy walking in. Hey, man. We're all going to get on that big ship over there and merge these universes. <laughs> Want to come? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I'm curious as to, I, I don't think this is true, but I want to know if Disney slash Marvel looks at 21st Century Fox or looks at Sony or looks at DC, probably not DC, but they look at them as competition in that, and that's kind of like a little shot in the arm to try and make these movies so much better. And if they were to purchase 21st Century Fox or to kind of partner with Sony, does that diminish a drive within them to make these movies the best that they can? Because they're like, well, if we're just competing against DC and DC's digging their own own hole, do we really have to put forth an extra effort? I don't think that's true, but at the same time, there's a voice in the back of my head going, what if it is, you know? Yeah, I think you if that if that's going to happen, it's already going to happen. Like they yeah. already have, uh, you know, free reign to make whatever kind of movie they want, and audiences are going to lap it up at least for the next several. You know, if it if it happens too long, then audiences might you know wander away. But they if they're going to head towards mediocrity, mm-hmm. they already have that <laughs> you know ability to do that. I'm you know just- what I'm saying? I just don't know if Marvel has a plan past Infinity War. Well, they haven't announced it. That's why. Like, they haven't yeah. talked about where they want to go after that. I mean, it's interesting, right? You've got Brie uh, Larson coming in as um, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. And, you know, do you, you've got another Ant-Man movie coming. You know, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Do you make them part of it? Do you make Black Panther a huge part of whatever's next coming? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you start to reboot uh, a lot of these characters? Do you go with uh, a different Captain America, a different Iron Man, kind of how the comics have, uh, from my understanding. So, you know, they've got a lot of choices ahead of them because, I mean, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is getting old. Like, he's in his mid-50s now. Like, he can't play Iron Man forever. Well, as so. long as they just keep CGIing his face and, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's not that's, like. That's what they're hoping yeah. for. They're hoping to hold out long enough that CG gets to the point where we can't even tell the difference anyway. Get rid of that uncanny valiness. <laughs> and just get rid of all the actual actors. Yeah. <laughs> just make the movie you want with whatever <laughs> actor you want to. Uh, number three. Sure, do it. 
All right, it looks like Universal Studios is most likely going to call off the Dark Universe. Yep. Uh, after the abysmal <laughs> intro, it you know said in the universe with the Mummy, it is possible that other films will still be made, uh, a la Frankenstein or Creature from the Black Lagoon, but they will not be part of a shared universe. So, the the overall, you know, what was Russell Crowe's like? Hide. Hide. Yeah. No, I mean like a. Like what was his organ? We'll just call it the uh, the Dark Universe's shield, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that won't be a part of these films going forward if they do decide to go that way. You know, just to continue to make a Frankenstein movie or a Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, they could still make them, just no Dark Universe. I have a I have an interesting again cognitive dissonance on this. Uh, I both believe that the way they approached their universe was completely wrong. Like, it was, you just, if, make a good movie first and then start talking about building it into a universe. And you can add some Easter eggs in there, some different things that will pay off later. That's fine, but don't make the, don't trumpet the universe before you've made a good movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, if you look at Iron Man, the very mm-hmm. first Iron Man, it wasn't until the after credit scene you realized that there was the possibility of a shared universe. It was just an Iron Man movie. Right, they were making an Iron Man movie, and they had those plans. Like, yeah. it's okay to have those plans behind the scenes, but I just think you really set yourself up for failure when you you know, publicly say, hey, we're doing these five movies in a row in, before you even have any kind of backing from the public. Having said that, I think this is overreacting to completely pull the plug on the universe. You've already put it out there. You've already laid some groundwork. Just make a good movie this time. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because you're giving up what is essentially, I think, the best way to make modern um, uh, expansive storytelling uh, is the the expanded universe. I love the idea. Uh, it's just you have to be able to manage audience expectations in a way and actually put quality stuff out there. So if you're going to make the movies anyway, make them just, again, just settle it down, you know, settle it down until people are ready for it. I don't know. That's just me. What do you think, Barrett? I could not agree more. I mean, yes, make a good movie. They even built out this whole plot of land and, and uh, the universal lot uh, specifically for these movies. And you know it's putting the cart before the horse. Just just settle down and 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 uh, put out some quality product. Yeah, yeah. totally. That's going to wrap it up for do we care, gentlemen? There you go. That means it's time. Let's review Justice League. Remains in mourning after the death of Superman. Violence, acts of war, and terrorism are all on the rise. I had a dream. It was the end of the world. Invasion. I think it's something more. Something darker. Fueled by his restored faith in humanity, inspired by Superman's selfless act, Bruce Wayne enlists newfound ally Diana Prince to face an even greater threat. Together, Batman and Wonder Woman work quickly to recruit a team to stand against this newly awakened enemy. Despite the formation of an unprecedented League of Heroes, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash, it may be too late to save the planet from an assault of catastrophic proportions. Guys, Justice League, after much blood, sweat, and tears, and tears, and tears, and tears, has made its way to theaters. Uh, Let's start with this. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Barrett, what do you think? 
I'm trying to couch this in a way that no couching. You just you have to pick one of the five. Doesn't sound. I want to make sure that people know that I love movies. Okay. 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 I don't. I don't hate movies. I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate this movie with the passion. All right. And it's an interesting thought experiment to try to figure out what what was positive about it. I've been racking my brain all morning to figure out what was All right, we've got one in the hate it category. Andrew, you want me to go next? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I am firmly in the it was just okay category. That's where I would land. Nice. What about you? I'm going to go on a backpacking trip with Barrett down (laughs) hate lane because, oh, man, I am with with Barrett on this one. There was only one part about this movie I liked. The rest of it I hated, hated. I'm gonna. I I question uh, my own motives sometimes. Uh, we all know I'm a movie optimist. I want to love movies. Uh, this is especially more the case when expectations are so low, right? Yeah. So I I always mm. go on this introspective thing where I'm like, okay, uh, I had a decent enough time at this movie. I feel great putting it in the it was just okay category for me. But introspectively, is that because a my expectations were so low from the travesties of Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, and B, because I want it to be good, because I loved Wonder Woman, and I want to see more of this, and I want to you know see these characters done well. So my own optimism, those kind of things, and I try to be introspective about that, and currently where I land is, I still think this is an okay movie. Um, I wouldn't say it's a good movie, I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but uh, I did find uh, some positive, I did have some positive experiences watching this movie. I need to come clean, because it wasn't. I wasn't sure I was going to be here today. Sure. So I did watch your five things you should know about oh, Justice okay. League. Yeah. So I know some of your points, and uh, and you disagree vehemently with all of them. <laughs> not vehemently. <laughs> there are some things I do agree with you on, but there are other parts I do disagree. Well, good. Well, let's get into the details, Barrett. I'm going to let you start. I know you you said you couldn't uh, think of anything positive to say about it, um, so we don't have to start there. But just kind of explain your overall thoughts of what is it that made this movie so bad for you. Listen, I when we I went to see this with Chris Atkinson, our, my uh, Cinema Sins colleague, and when we were walking out of the the theater, I, there was this group of five dudes, probably our age, that were freaking out over this movie. They were like, "Man, did you see when they did that?" And then and then Wonder Woman came in and did this stuff, and then Flash and that, and they were geeked out. And I was like, "God bless you, people. I wish <laughs> I could be you. I want to switch bodies with you right now." Because you obviously watched a totally different movie than I did. <laughs> and I, I swear to God, I did not go in this wanting to, to hate it. Uh, I, I like these characters. I especially like Batman. I loved Wonder Woman. Uh, but it, it, And I will say, and I can't say something positive about it. This is what came up. It's a positive and a negative. Ezra Miller as The Flash was definitely, you could almost say like the, the Whedon side of this whole enterprise right because he was quippy he was very much his perks of being a wallflower type of dude mm-hmm. um except a little bit lighter um you know the guy but but again that's a catch-22 for me because every beat he has is basically like a little quip and it's like okay it, it, it felt inauthentic to me at sometimes but then there were there were other times specifically we can get into it in spoilers but there's there's a couple of specific times where i was like okay 
that that's very cool and like like organically laughed but otherwise man this movie was extremely frustrating to me well okay so you brought up ezra miller let's talk about him he was one of my favorite things about the movie one of the reasons i did find it enjoyable was because i did like the sense of humor i did like moving in that direction um but what makes that interesting and i think what you're talking about is the fact that they've already built a pretty dour universe and so it becomes uh, a little bit jarring to experience those quips, to experience this character yeah. in that way. It made me excited to see his movie. It made me excited to see, like, you know, what that character can be like in a movie that is free of the chains of the dourness of, uh, you know, Batman and, and just kind of the last couple movies. Uh, and, and for me, with him, I was, I was against recasting Flash anyway. You want a Grant Gustin. Uh, I wanted Grant Gustin from the WB show because I think he does such a great job with it. I, I, I think I was wrong about that. I really think that he would have brought some baggage uh, with kind of the more soap opera-y WB side of that that would have worked mm-hmm. even less than Ezra Miller did. So um, so I, I think he was the right choice, and I, I did enjoy him. What did you think, Andrew? Well, I'm with Barrett on this one where... Uh, Ezra Miller was the That will only... be the theme of this podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew is with Barrett. Yeah. But I, I do agree with you in the sense that Ezra Miller, what I do, because I came in with you, uh, we talked about this going into the movie before we even saw it. I really wish they would have cast Grant Gustin as mm-hmm. The Flash. Yeah. After the movie, I'm like, you know what? I think they saw something in Ezra Miller that we didn't see before. And I thought he was a pretty good Barry Allen. I was like, you know what? He, he didn't do too bad. But at the same time, I see where Barrett is on this as well. Like, he needed moments where I could see a real hero instead of dopey, like mm. speed dopey, you know? It was right. just... And this is where I think that the entire DC EU went wrong and I'm going to go off on a huge tangent here so cut me off when I'm talking too much okay all right all right all right so it's the fact that they chose the wrong heroes to start off this DC EU because besides from Barry Allen every single one of these characters um that they've shown so far Superman Batman Aquaman Cyborg Wonder Woman they're all dour characters and DC does have characters that do have a bit of humor if you look at Blue Beetle, uh, of course, Barry Allen, but you also have Green Arrow. You have, uh, I'm trying to think So you think they should have used those characters? Yeah. Okay, look at Marvel. What did Marvel do? They started off with Iron Man. Are those, excuse my ignorance, are those characters in Justice League? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, Like, are all the DC heroes in Justice League? Is that how that works? At this point, probably, yeah. Okay. But even like, okay, here's a character a lot more people than besides like Blue Beetle. I mean the concept of Justice League, obviously not the movie, but yeah, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, um, Shazam. A lot of people know who Shazam is, okay? He is a very funny character. Um, but he's not really well known. If you look at what Marvel did with Iron Man, Iron Man wasn't really that well known. They it wasn't started, well known at all. Yeah, um, they start off with characters. They introduce them like, okay, there's something here. It, with DC, they started off with Superman and Batman. But do you think Marvel only did that because they had lost rights to their, you know, Spider-Man to the, the X-Men, you know, to their big guns? They'd already lost rights to or given up rights to. I don't think so because they had Captain America, they had Thor, they had the Hulk. But even Captain America and Thor, to somebody who's not into comics, aren't a big deal. Like I knew of Captain America, but I wasn't like. I was a big fan or anything. Uh, maybe it was just a group of people I, you know, grew up with, sure. you know. But I think that 
it was a happy accident, possibly, that you start off with those lesser-known characters because if you start off with Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, where do you go up from there in your heroes? That's the top of the chart. You don't have anything to build to as far as your heroes go. Interesting. You can only go with your villains. And then with Suicide Squad, like, here's all of our villains. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) I do think that from a comedy standpoint, which is the part I initially wanted to get off on, that the com- the humor in this movie, while I do appreciate the effort, came across as campy and corny and didn't land well for me. It was a bunch of Horatio Canes trying to drop a funny one-liner before it cut to a random scene. That's another problem I have. Very sloppy editing. Did you just make a CSI Miami reference? You bet I okay, did. Okay, all right. I was just making sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you caught that reference. <laughs> is right, even more impressive. Uh, yeah, no, I think for the most part, the humor did work for me, but it did feel weird uh, in, in many ways. The other thing that I liked about it, uh, and then we can move on to, to all the things we didn't like, because this really was the only other thing, is actually not something that necessarily is the movie's doing, but I really got to see why these characters work so well together. I felt like the, um, the, the five of them and their different gifts and their different superpowers created a really interesting superhero chemistry that I I didn't know that I was ready for or expecting. So I liked the way, uh, you know, Aquaman and cyborg and flash kind of built into the Batman uh, in Wonder Woman thing. 100% disagree. Yeah. one. I do not think that was a team. It was a bunch of individuals thrown together, and I didn't see them click with each other, you know? I At the beginning of a movie, it's okay to say, okay, yeah, they're different people, but if by the end of that movie, if they don't, you know, culminate into a team, then it just, I, I didn't feel And you feel didn't it. feel like they did? I didn't feel like they did. Okay. Yeah, that's just me, though. How did you feel about the team aspect of it, Barrett? I mean, Aqu- Aquaman isn't in the Aqua for very long, is he? <laughs> he like, he's, like he's man. He's being thrown around a bunch. He's man. <laughs> yes, he's man. He's thrown around, man. Uh, you know, okay. No, no I, I see where you're saying, what you're saying, Aaron. Um, it, no, it didn't really work for me just because, and this is certainly not a spoiler, there's a lot of punching in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of obfuscated, like, you know, shots of action and thrown people and moths and things like that. So maybe they did. It was hard for me to tell, honestly, in these action uh, set pieces. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you could definitely see how somebody like Wonder Woman, there was a great, great moment where Wonder Woman and Flash worked together uh, that was maybe one of the only good uses of slow motion I've seen Zack Snyder do in a long time. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. It didn't, didn't work for me, but uh, especially Aquaman. Yeah. I think for me it was, uh, and, and I, I get totally get the, the Aquaman uh, dissing. He became uh, throw his fork man very quickly. He became bro man for me. Like, yeah. Yeah, bro, let's. Let's go punch some people. Throw me very far, And I I chalk that up to what I've always said about this movie being um, handcuffed from the beginning 
is that it's just rushed. They rushed to get here. They rushed to catch up with Marvel, and they didn't do the work necessary to make the Flash and Aquaman movies before this movie. Uh, I think if you have a Flash movie and an Aquaman movie before this movie, you're a little more forgiving of the fact that Aquaman isn't in water as much because you've seen him in his environment. You know what he does. Uh, and he becomes an interesting, different part of this team aspect. So that was a detraction for me, and in, in a reason the teamwork didn't work a lot of times is because I didn't have a chance to know the deeper element of of their stories or who they were before this moment uh, and how they got here. So that I think I think that's a big deal, and I, I I don't know how you overcome that. I don't know how DC was going to make Justice League at this point in their slate and overcome some of that that necessary uh, exposition yeah yeah what else you think it's gonna be a Nick? hit um financially, financially? <laughs> yeah yeah i think financially i mean where do you, you think it's gonna it's gonna outpace batman versus of course batman versus superman was in march right released in march mm-hmm. yeah yeah um it's certainly not gonna beat wonder woman you wouldn't think right no. well it made it more than wonder woman opening uh this opening weekend or is on pace to they said yeah, but wonder woman had no pun intended had legs that uh, <laughs> that word of mouth really i think helped that out over a while well yeah everybody's um, like no this you know, is actually a good movie no you're right no yeah. yeah i i i don't know if it'll make as much as those others and and possibly people are tiring of it so i'm not sure if it'll be a success or not um but i i mean overall critically uh, i think the answer is obviously no um, I don't think critics are buying it. So, so yeah. Uh, negatives. I know we've been kind of throwing. Yeah, let's in their... get into it. Start destroying it, guys. This is some <laughs> of the worst CGI I have ever seen. It is really bad. Cyborg looks. It's it's obviously fake, but the villain in this movie. Can we say the villain is that spoilerish? Well, I think it's Steppenwolf. Is well, is... Uh, okay, yeah, but I didn't know. If, like you know, they don't really announce that and stuff like that. But yeah, Steppenwolf. Looks so bad. It looks so mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, like PS two I mean, graphics the, bad. Uh, the the villain in general is, I think, the worst part of the movie. I mean, there's no. I wasn't even talking about the story and how atrocious it is. Well, I mean, it's you know, it, it, all around CG story, all of it. Like it's just, yeah. I it's it's really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> um, also, did it seem to you guys like? Ben Affleck's just done. He was done <laughs> during the filming of this movie. Because if you look at, and this, you can cut this if this is too spoilerish, but if you look at BVS, he had that actually kind of cool scene in the warehouse where he was throwing dudes around and beating people up with his Krav Maga. Yeah. He didn't do any of that in this one. He was jump man and. I'll tell you what to do, man. He doesn't really do anything yeah. cool. He was injured and bruised and Yeah. It's yeah. it's like he was phoning it in. He's like, I am so done with this. And I guess he was like during the filming of this, he's like, Yeah, this isn't gonna be a hit either. I'm just why even try? <laughs> I always go back to that sad Affleck meme. Oh, with the Simon and Garfunkel. Uh-huh. Yeah. That never gets old. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'd say he's phoning it in, but he certainly. Uh, I mean, it may just be part of the character, but it's just there's nothing. <laughs> the character's phoned it in. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it feels like. It feels like Batman is given like nothing in this movie to do, and I don't know if if there was stuff in that character that got you know taken out or held back or whatever. But but yeah, I I, I wasn't digging on Batman this movie. 
Yeah. What about you, Barrett? Do you guys remember seeing that that picture um, that was rolling around about a year ago of J.K. Simmons looking all jacked up? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why? Uh, I, I was expecting, you know, he had he had just completed like this workout uh, to get ready for Justice League yeah. as Commissioner Gordon, and I was like, and he looks freakish. He looks it's, it's, it's a very buff. disturbing picture. But uh, you know, once I saw Commissioner Gordon come up fairly early in the in the movie, I was like, you know what? That's J.K. Simmons. That's a cool character. He's apparently ripped to shreds. Maybe we'll get some sort of interesting character with this guy. And then he disappears for virtually the rest of the movie. Yeah. I feel like that's a metaphor for this movie, is that there's there's <laughs> potential all around, obviously. All of these characters are good. You know, you got these stories, but it's just wasted on the, the a nonsensical plot, on this, that terrible CGI that Andrew mentioned, and there was so much more that you could rely on that they that they ignored at the expense of I don't know what the expense of I guess you know a certain amount of the population loves this stuff loves the way it's presented loves the way that the the characters work together and it it ain't me yeah <laughs> what else what other negatives do you guys want to bring up well I I all my negatives were just contradictions of your positives so I'm good there. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever's the opposite of what Aaron yeah. said uh the only other one i would bring up specifically is i think this movie has a conflict issue and what i mean by that is that the conflict in this movie the central conflict of the story is so weak that there's nothing to root for there's nothing to be interested in you know i talked about the villain's story but even more than that uh these the motivation for why this villain is doing what he's doing is so paper thin. Their motivation, you know, to fight him is the same, you know, uh, surface motivation that we always see, which is save the planet. Yeah. And and it's like there's they're very little deeper. I suppose maybe you could dig into Wonder Woman's motivation because of what happened in uh on her island. Yeah. But even that is really light. So when you've got such light care um conflict motivation. Uh, it makes the conflict resolution feel unimportant and uninteresting. And so, uh, you know, there, it's just if you're good to just look at, you know, uh, pretty things on the screen and, you know, super powered characters punching each other, then you, if you can find that exciting, then I guess the, the resolution works. But I need something more than that. I need there's something. There's no stakes. Yeah, there's no, for me. There was no conflict that that added any stakes to what was going on. So I just I found myself completely disinterested in the story element of what was happening. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You're exactly right. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's the 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 team as is uh, was certainly you know able to handle this. Uh, I can't I can't make this point without getting the spoilers. So just forget what I said. <laughs> Yeah, there's one big spoiler uh, that will, I think, launch off some some more conversation um, towards the end, and it's a spoiler that I everybody mean, knows. That everybody knows, but we're going to do our due diligence and save it for spoiler talk uh, and that kind of thing. But any any other 
things you wanted to talk about? Did we want to talk about the action at all? Did any of the action, did you think it was cool? I, I felt like there were some moments where I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, the way they you know shot that or did that. But There's only one moment in this movie where I was like, oh, here we go. And it's spoilerish. <laughs> I can't talk about it. Okay, well, but I'm excited the, to hear. For the most part, it was just how hard, and Barrett mentioned this already, how hard can I punch you before you punch me? Mm-hmm. And mm. this is the perfect example of how not to do an action scene because it's all this movie is is punch you and these these characters have so many amazing powers and it's wasted on punching and kicking like they don't really use what makes them unique to get out of cool situations and yeah, it's just very disappointing. I, I can think of a couple moments no, that, that I, I will I will mention in spoilers that I thought were kind of cool. But no, you're right. Overall, and, and also it's not shot very well. Like it's confusing and muddled, and it's it's an overall mess uh, many times. Can so. I can I mention one one disappointment? Did you guys notice the score at all uh, when you were going through this? Nope. I I did not. I mean, I I noticed uh, some spoilery things that I won't talk about, but that I thought. You know, it played on some other scores that I love. Barely. But not enough. Yeah, yeah barely. But not enough, yeah. Yeah, so this was Danny Elfman that did it, which I was excited about. Jeremy was not. Uh, but he interwove uh, his his Batman theme from 1989, or from the, you know, the Michael Keaton days. Yeah. And it was awesome. Like, just, just enough. I like that. I mean, he could have gone back to it a little bit more. Uh, but but he wove that in there that it, it was it was thrilling to me to hear it in this context, and then he yeah he did use some other themes, again barely and then the Wonder Woman theme uh, that that I was so high on is barely referenced in this at all. It's just yeah. literally in in our first scene, and I mean you know the score like this, especially in somebody's capable hands like Elfman, uh, should be should be a positive. It should be some sort of touchstone. It should match the intensity of the action. Even if the action is, is crappy, you should be able to have recognizable source, you know, parts of music that is associated with that. And I think it, it fell short on it. Barrett, That's you're, a good point. That's a really a music, good point. Barrett, you're a music guy. You might know the name of this terminology for whatever this is, but whenever like you are like, uh, a studio is like, why don't you just kind of not directly copy this uh, theme for this, but this is kind of what we're going for. It doesn't really have any... It's the variation. Yeah, exactly. It's like... I I know that people were mad at the Avengers because it doesn't really have anything, you know, uh, very individualistic about its theme song, really. It's kind of like a culmination of a whole bunch of other Like the characters don't have their individual themes? Well, I'm talking about just the Avengers film in general, like... You can't listen to it like, oh, that's the Avengers, like, right? Yeah. But yeah. you could be like Spider Man, Spider. There's nothing catchy or unique about lit, uh, this movie in particular. Like, I, I totally agree. The one thing is like Wonder Woman's theme is so tribal and amazing, and it's so underused, mm-hmm. and it's a shame because it's so good. It's really good. It is really good. I will also say I found her scene, like her Wonder Woman's here scene at the beginning, yeah. to be a huge letdown. Oh yeah. I I was so I I'm just, you know, coming off of watching Wonder Woman very carefully for this <clears throat> other YouTube channel that I write for occasionally. Uh and <laughs> the uh 
the action scenes in that movie are so good and what she does is so amazing in some of those scenes and in this movie i was like i don't i don't know that you get wonder woman like patty jenkins did you know what i mean like you could really feel and not only that and i'm gonna i'm gonna go a little uh beyond the actual movie to social issues here the way this movie shot wonder woman was so much different than the way Patty Jenkins shot Wonder Woman. You could feel the male, oh, yeah. the male gaze in some of these shots of mm-hmm. Diana. And, I mean, there were more butt shots of Diana in this movie. Uh, I mean, I don't even remember one from the original Wonder Woman, but this one, yep. I'm just thinking, man, what a, what a powerful example of the difference between the way a, a woman shoots a woman and the way a man shoots a woman. And, and I, I'm not and I'm not standing here saying there's nothing that there's something wrong about appreciating the beauty of a woman's shape or a man's shape or whatever. What I'm saying is I think especially in our current cultural situation where we're uh, you know we're dealing with with all of these uh, issues with the Weinstein stuff and those kind of things. I think it's really important for us to continue to look at how we are sexualizing these women and how we are sexualizing these characters and even even down to the armor of the Amazons was so different in this one than in the original Wonder Woman movie. Um, So anyways, I I think that's worth mentioning at least and putting that out there as an observation of what's going on. My one last thing is I think that DC has finally, the straw has broken the camel's back. I think they, honestly, DC needs to scrap this universe. Really? Start over because... But I want to see a Flash movie. (laughs) Yeah, but at the same time, too much, and I know it, I 100% blame everything on Zack Snyder. I really, really do. But I think that too much has been done wrong to write a ship at this point. Like, you can't bat one with Wonder Woman, you know? And like, mm-hmm. yeah, we can make a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's not 1,000, that's one. Well, you bat one. Yeah, yeah, definitely not batting a thousand on this one, uh, but I think that you can't write a ship at this point. You and it's unfortunate because Gal Gadot is so good as mm-hmm. Wonder Woman that I think, man, yeah, yeah, but you still need to start over because Ben Affleck wants out now. He he just said he wants out of playing Batman. Uh, Jared Leto wasn't happy about being the Joker, and uh, what's his name, Henry? Ca- is it Cavill or Cavill? I think it's Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill. He he looks like Superman, but he doesn't he doesn't project Superman to mm-hmm. me. So I'm like, yeah, you got too many things wrong for you to continue. Just start from scratch. Say, yeah, we know we messed up. Fire Zack Snyder. Get rid of Rat Pack Studios. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably happening anyway. But yeah. I I don't see I don't see that happening in a million years, Andrew. You may be right. Like you may be right that that's what they should do. Uh, Long term might be the most beneficial. I can't see that happening. Can you, Barrett? Can you see them canceling like the whole DCEU? Not cancel, no. start over. I, I agree. I think they could. I think that that would be a very good idea, but no, there's there's just too much invested in yeah. it right now. Yeah, they've just they've got too much into this. Um you may see it happen after 2018, especially if they swing and miss with the individual movies. If they swing and miss with Aquaman and Flash, I think they'll 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 scrap it. I do. But if, but you know what? If they come out and the Flash movie is great and people love it, um, they're just, they're just gonna keep on going. Yeah. So, and who knows? You know, 
me being the optimist again. Maybe they write the ship. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe maybe a definitely. Year, maybe a year from now we're talking about the amazing DC movies that have come out over 2018. One can only hope. We're talking about the Oscar chances of the Aquaman movie. Hey, no, DC <laughs> has won more Oscars than Marvel oh, has. Stop! You're killing me. <laughs> You're killing me. Uh, Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, overall, not a recommend. Uh, certainly from Barrett and Andrew, not from me either. It's there's just not a lot there, but it's one of those movies that pretty much everybody's going to see anyway. So, yeah, um, you can't. It's unfortunate. It's one of those movies like you're kind of at this point. If you're a, a superhero fan, even though you can hear from everybody, it's not good. You still have to go. You're yeah. obligated to see it. Well, let's move on to our best ever challenge, guys. Uh, we're going to talk movies that start with the letter J. Uh, we'll go from number three to number one. Uh, and uh, then we'll mention some honorable mentions at the end. So uh, let's kick it off at number three. Andrew, you want to kick us off? First off, there are not that many good movies to start with the letter J. I just want to get that out there. That's right why it's now. a fun category, I yeah. think, because J isn't necessarily. Did a big you letter. think? I was actually shocked at how many movies I liked and or loved that started with the 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 letter J. Really? Okay, I can think of two that are like otherworldly good and then the rest are like oh okay that was good i i'm i i will go to bat for my three okay i think i've got three that are great yeah my number one all have the same three (laughs) yeah my number one and number two are like for sure they're gonna be in both of yours right yeah uh, this is one where we'll probably agree down the line but uh number three i have juno oh that's a good choice uh Mm. just because you know uh it was in my honorable mention ellen is ellen page right yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, just her performance it was so real i thought you know it kind of gave me that window into being a high school girl who is pregnant because i knew girls in, you didn't experience well, that no, in your own I, life well <laughs> i hate to break it to you aaron but no but you know i i did go to school with girls who were pregnant and i never really t- talked not because i thought it was gross i just didn't talk to them you know and uh, it kind of gave me an insight to maybe a small small insight obviously but i'm like Okay, I it's I under I can understand like there are struggles I would not have thought about. I love those kind of movies. The put yourself in someone else's shoes movies where yeah. you really start to get an understanding of someone else's story, someone else's yeah. narrative, what the life that they live and that that's a good example of one of those, I think. Yeah. Fan, I thought the fan, this writing was phenomenal, the acting was spectacular. It, it it wasn't maybe it was the fact that I really wasn't expecting what I got out of Juno. Sure, that really has it really high up for me. Um, no, that's a good choice. What about you, Barrett? What do you got at three? For three, uh, my three is Jackie Brown. Ooh, good oh, choice. That was in Tarantino. my honorable mentions as well. Jackie Brown is arguably Quentin Tarantino's best movie, which is odd because it's one of the few that he did not write. In fact, it may be the only one that he did not write. Um, source materials from an Elmore Leonard uh, uh, book. But it's amazing. It has everything. Everything that you loved about Pulp Fiction. And a lot of people still haven't seen Jackie Brown. I haven't. <clears throat> everything that you loved about Pulp Fiction is done better in Jackie Brown. That's quite a statement. Um, the mystery, the, mystery, the uh, characterizations, the music... Um, the, the whole heist aspect, the acting and the shots, the one shot in particular towards the end with Pam Greer 
Uh, it's a it's a POV shot that follows her like through this entire mall. It's a it's a gorgeous shot. Jackie Brown is absolutely one of my favorite movies of all time, and certainly one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. Nicely done. Um, both good choices. Uh, I think we probably all will have the same top two, but we all had different number threes. Uh, I'm going with John Wick for my number three. Is that a my honorable mention? Ooh, nice one. Um, I, this is such a great movie. Uh, it solidified to me, Keanu Reeves is one of the greatest action stars that we've ever had. Like he, The fact that he is still doing that, the fact that those shots are so organic and that we get wide shots where we actually see what's going on they don't quick cut you know all all of it to pieces to hide things like the choreography is so beautiful and i just um you know i love that that whole movie so i'm right there with you yes. it was in my honorable mention good call so good yeah front to back i'll let you guys just go ahead and trump me on jaws as my number two <laughs> i'm not gonna trump you it's also my number two was it your number two as well barrett Oh, no, that was my number one. Well, there yeah. you go. So uh, we'll, wait, we'll wait and talk about Jaws, and we'll go ahead and talk about Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that's both of your number number ones? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got Jurassic Park over Jaws. Me too. Interesting. I don't oh. even have that in my top three. Ooh. Whoa. Okay, well, then I guess we should wait. <laughs> yeah. I guess we should wait. Let's have Barrett's number two conversation first. Yeah. What do you got at number two, Barrett? I got Jerry Maguire at uh. number two. I had that in my honorable mentions, but that's interesting that you would put it up that high. You had me at hello. <laughs> I mean, this you could make an argument that this is Cameron Crowe's best movie. Um, besides maybe uh, saying anything. Of course, he's worked on really good movies, too. But, uh, man, I mean, he just captures this love story. He makes this anti-hero a real hero. Um, the music is great. The look is great. Uh, I love this movie, and yes, yes, I tear up almost every time at the end when I when I watch it. You know, there is something to be said for that. I mean, if Lego Batman loves it, we can love it too. Um, <laughs> That's right. I, uh, I you're you're right. I think in my brain sometimes, uh, without rewatching things, they start to degrade based on you know just some sense of like for instance with Jerry Maguire. I, I mean, I, I would never call it a bad movie. But it started to degrade in my memory as a little bit saccharine, a little bit syrupy sweet, a little bit too much, a little bit. And I think that has to do with, you know, the famous lines from it, um, you know, all and there's a lot of them. You know, like you said, you had me at hello, all mm -hmm. those moments. And you start to make the movie all about those moments and forget that it's actually a well-crafted film. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, I need to continue to revisit movies like Jerry Maguire's, not yeah. to let that that degradation uh, falsely happen in my brain where I'm assigning the things that that culturally carry over to the entirety of the movie. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's great. Yeah, definitely worth. I, and I understand. I mean, this is what it was 1996 that it came right. out. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so I mean, yeah. It, it it has been reduced to show me the money and you had me at hello and that kind of thing. But uh, no, it's it's really really good, man. Cuba Gooding Jr. I was just fantastic. About to say, he's Bonnie so Hunt good. is so good. Yeah. So uh, give it, give it another another look. No, good call. Good it has call. been a hot minute since I've seen it. So. Well, what do we want to talk about first? Uh, let's 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 talk about Jurassic Park first, and then we'll finish with Jaws. Okay. Um, Andrew and I both had Jurassic Park at number one. Yeah. Uh, it is a singular movie experience in my mind. It's one of those movies that did something that you didn't think was possible. Uh, made dinosaurs real. 
in I mean in an era where CG was just starting and the so CG, much of the those effects are practical. The CG in mm-hmm. Jurassic Park which, which came out in 1993 is better than the CG in <laughs> Justice League which just came out. It's insane. Yep. Yeah, it's it's crazy uh to think of but uh, and it was one of those, you know, things where it, it, I just feel like with some movies, Spielberg just flexes. He's just like, I still got it. This is me. I can tell a yeah. compelling, crazy, good, fun story and uh, and make you see things you never thought you'd see and bring that magic to the screen. Now, so. I, th- I think w- I don't want to put words in Barrett's mouth, but I think if you take out the cultural impact that Jurassic Park had and you put it side by side with Jaws, I think people could make a case Jaws is a better film, but I, I think I a better. Like the, I think that Jurassic Park is a better experience. Mm. Like I think that mm. if you look at what Jurassic Park, regardless of you know whether you thought dinosaur, because <laughs> it's going to sound weird, it came out at the perfect time for me. Whenever I was younger, it changed the dynamic of the person I was going to be, because mm. I always loved dinosaurs when I was a kid. When I grew up, I wanted to be a paleontologist. So seeing this movie, it reaffirmed as a kid. Obviously, I never became a paleontologist, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I never became a doctor. Yeah, but at the same time, like it changed the dynamic of the people I hung out with, the kind of person, the nerd that I became. It's all in that some people had uh, Back to the Future. Whenever they were that age, it made them become the geek or the nerd. Yeah, Star Wars for me. Star Wars. Yeah. For me, it was Jurassic Park. So the personal and the cultural impact Jurassic Park had for me is something that no other film I can think of, besides maybe The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, um, it changed the person I would become. Hmm. Interesting. So that's why I have to keep it as my number one. Yeah, I think it's interesting to, and let's transition into talking about Jaws and Barrett. We'll let you. Uh, uh, take lead on this since you have it at number one, but I I think they're an interesting juxtaposition. Like they are, so, I mean, obviously they're both Spielberg movies, but you know it's interesting that they're both summer fair that brought you know a monster into you know onto the big screen in a, a way that we never expected. But tell us about your experience with Jaws. Why you have it at number one? It's a perfect movie. It's got <laughs> it's got every genre on every genre represented. Um, the performances are great, and it it's a movie that takes its time. To tell its story. Uh, in fact, uh, I think Chris and Jeremy and I were talking recently about how a, a, a blockbuster these days, <laughs> something like Justice League, is not going to take its time to show that below deck scene uh, with Quint and Richard Dreyfus right. and, and Roy Scheider's character to where they're comparing old war wounds, they're getting drunk, they're singing sea shanties. It helps set up that final act so perfectly and it fleshes out those characters. I mean, Quint was a caricature before that scene, basically. And it's examples like that that make this so different than just your standard blockbuster big movie about a shark chasing you. Um, it's it's a very, very perfect movie to me. Yeah, I don't know that I have much to add to that. You're absolutely right. Now, I came to it late. Um, I You know, I came to it in a, uh, adulthood, even though it had been out forever. Um, because I wasn't allowed to watch sharks eating people when I was growing up. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. Um, so it is interesting coming to a movie late because you do come with some of the, oh, that, you know, the effects look dated or that's obviously a robotic shark, you know, kind of stuff uh, that come with time. But even with that stuff, it is uh, it is 
fine storytelling and pretty yeah. incredible stuff. And I did praise Jurassic Park a whole bunch, but don't forget I did have Jaws as my number two because for me it's the yeah, I did too. It's the yeah okay yeah you did. oh yeah that's right you did sorry mm-hmm. I didn't mean to no no you're yeah. good but. Jaws is the second scariest movie I've ever seen. It's the movie that gave me galeophobia. It's the reason why I don't go into the ocean is because I'm terrified of sharks now because of this movie. And just like Barrett said, it's not just a horror film. It wasn't intended to be what it became just because the animatronic shark kept breaking down. It accidentally became a masterpiece. And like he said, it's the characters in this movie, like seeing how each one of them has their own story and yeah, Bear nailed it on the head. Every single genre of film is nailed in that movie. I uh, actually, the first time I saw Jaws was in college uh, at a pool party. They showed Jaws on the side, on like the wall, while everybody was swimming. <laughs> nice. So. No, come on, man. <laughs> That's just cruel. So, yeah, at least they didn't, like, darken the water. You know, that would, uh, at least in a swimming pool, you can kind of see to the bottom. You know there's no sharks in there. Honorable but, uh, mentions? Yeah, let's do some honorable mentions. How many did you have? Uh, well, you mentioned John Wick. Mm-hmm. So the only other, and you guys are going to laugh at me for saying this, but Jumanji, when I was growing up, no, was phenomenal. Jumanji's it, great. I love, out to this day, I love Jumanji mm-hmm. just because of, you know, I think movies that you watch as a kid that you fall in love with, they get carte blanche no matter how old you get of being amazing. I, I'm sure that if I hadn't seen Jumanji as a kid and I rewatched it now, I'm like, well, I, it's pretty dumb. But for the fact I don't I, know, man. It's pretty fun. It is a yeah. fun movie. It was and, scary when and, I was a kid. And, it, and, it, and that's what yeah, I was going to say. It is a legitimately scary movie as well. It didn't pull a lot of punches yeah. uh, that you would think a, a movie like that might pull. And... No, I love Jumanji. Um, I, I think that's a fine choice. Yeah, that uh, was the only other one I had. That was definitely my honorable mentions. Did you have any honorable mentions, Barrett, that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, do you want me to just kind of run through them real yeah, quick? Yeah, why don't you here? run through yours? I'll mark them off mine if you mention uh, the ones that I have, like, uh, one, two, three, four, five. I've got, like, four more. So I just thought of one, but it's going to be on your list. So go ahead. So go <laughs> ahead. Yeah, Barrett, run through yours. So I've, I've got The Jerk, uh, oh. which is one of my favorite comedies of all yep. time. Man... I got a documentary called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. I wondered if you would bring that uh, up. Which is, oh, it's so good. It's a good documentary. So good. <laughs> I do enjoy the... Uh, uh, it will make you very hungry. The the TV version <laughs> on uh, Documentary Now. Yeah. I do enjoy the, their version oh, of that. Oh, Juan likes chicken and waffles. <laughs> Ch- <laughs> chicken, and, chicken and rice. Chicken and rice. Juan yeah. makes chicken and rice. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Johnny Dangerously. Uh, one of the more subversive comedies uh, out in the last uh, 25 years. I don't or know so. that I've, I don't actually know that I've seen is that. that. Johnny English? Oh, wait, I was thinking Johnny. <laughs> no, Johnny English. Dangerously. Oh. Johnny English. Is that Mr. B? No, Johnny Dangerously is, uh, it's Michael Keaton. Uh, I believe it's in the 80s, uh, late 80s. It's Michael Keaton doing a send up of, um, of gangster movies. And the way that they skirt around the profanity and the, the oh, it's hilarious. It's it's a very airplane style spoof of gangster movies. Interesting, like back, you know, in the thirties, forties, gangster movies. Johnny Dangerous. Very very good. Check that out. Oh, definitely. Uh, so I, I've just got two more. Jacob's Ladder, uh, which is a, mm-hmm. a really interesting psychological thriller uh, with uh, with uh, Tim Tim. Tim the Tim. Tool Man Taylor. There are some who call me 
Tim? No, Susan Sarandon's Tim Robbins? husband. Tim, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins. God bless it. <laughs> and, and the last one, there's this uh, this movie called Jesus' Son. stars Billy Crudup and um, uh, a ton of other people. It's, it's based on a, a collection of short stories by Dennis Johnson. Really, really good. Um, cool. Very interesting, very kinetic. You should check it out. Jesus' I, son. We didn't have any crossovers. Um, I, mentioned, I mentioned Jack Reacher. I think the original Jack Reacher is worth a watch. Definitely uh, not the second one. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, I mentioned Jackie, which came out last year. I was going to mention that one, but... Which is worth a watch if for no other reason than... Uh, it's Natalie Portman, right? Yeah. And then her performance. Uh, absolutely uh-huh. incredible in that. It's a pretty dry film. Uh, <laughs> it is a dry film, yeah. Uh, Jarhead. I thought I'd throw out there as well. That's such a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to mention that. Um, And then two that only I will mention, and you can all laugh at me if you want. That's fine. But I also wanted to mention uh, John Carter, uh, which I think is one of the most underrated films Uh of all time. Um, I, (laughs) I, I, I don't love it, love it, but I really like John Carter. And the fact that it's considered such a flop just kills me because... I, there's so many marketing mistakes that they made with that movie, and uh, man, just call it John Carter from Mars. I, seriously, why? Like, why? <laughs> why did you call it John Carter? That means nothing. That title means nothing to no to anybody. <laughs> Anyhow, sorry, I got a little bit upset there. I apologize. What was the other one? The other one that I will uh, that I will say right now is Justin Bieber. Never say never. It's a good documentary. <laughs> Everybody, it was fun coming back to Sip Pop. I will see you next year. Uh, if no. you want to see a shirtless Biebs, this is this is where you come to. Have you seen it, Barrett? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never Say Never. Here's what I loved about Never Say Never. I loved that it was more than just a marketing piece for Justin Bieber. Like, there was, I felt like some real stuff about, especially the early part of his life that I didn't know. That I found genuinely interesting, so uh, I uh-huh. I became a Bieber fan after that that movie. We're having this conversation yeah. right now. This is really <laughs> happening. <laughs> uh, Look, hey, no, I had I had his album uh, two years ago, Purpose. I had it ranked in my top five of of that uh, that year. That's see, a great album. I, I just came away from that documentary going, oh, he's actually really talented. Like that was the one thing. Oh, he's I, totally talented. I, see, I didn't realize that before that documentary. I just thought it was. You know, teeny bopper, cute guy making pop music, producers making him sound better than he is. And I watched that documentary and I'm like, oh, no, he's like savant-like in some of his stuff. Wait a Mm -hmm. minute. Was Never Say Never the time you went to the theater and the moms of all those kids kept giving (laughs) you dirty looks? No, that was actually actually a different Justin Bieber movie. Oh, One that wasn't as good. I forget what that one was called, but... um, Where you almost had to buy a sign to put around your neck said, I'm a critic, I have to be here or something. Yeah, No, that was the second Bieber movie where I was the only adult male in the entire room. This is middle-aged guy alone... At a Justin Bieber movie, yeah, yeah, and every single mom was giving me the stink eye the entire time. He's like, why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, that was the following movie. Uh, so anyways, there you go. Best ever J movies. Uh, some you might want to check out. Some others you may just want to leave unchecked out. That's totally up to you. Uh, before we head on to uh, the finish of the show, we do the Sif Quest and our Buried Treasure. Uh, I wanted to remind you that this is a listener-supported podcast network. Sif Pop is on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can support it at Patreon, patreon.com slash Studio DNA. Some fun little perks there when you do. 
starts at three bucks a month. Uh, I think the best perk for the network is the fact that you get to hear all the bonus shows for your support. So, and that shows up directly in your own private podcast feed. So you'll have your own feed where all those extra episodes show up uh, as soon as you support. And you can even go back and listen to previous ones from before when you support it because they'll all be there in the feed. Uh, this week we talked about on the pre-show for this show, we talked about our own experiences with DC in general. So you can kind of hear where we're coming from as we go into the Justice League review. If you want to support, it's patreon.com slash studio DNA. And a huge thanks from us to you for doing so. All right, guys, let's do the Sift Quest. This comes from Girk on Twitter. Uh, every week we'll go on a quest launched by you and your questions. Uh, you can tweet those at me, at Aaron Dicer, or you can email them, feedback at sifpop.com. Here's what Girk says. Sometimes when watching movies, I get in a sort of mood where I start overanalyzing stuff. Because of this, it can be quite difficult sometimes for me to get into a movie, and therefore it lessens my enjoyment of it. I kind of got this recently watching Thor Ragnarok in theaters. In the worst case, it makes me really dislike a movie that on repeat viewing I actually love. My question is, when you, with you being a professional critic, how do you still get into a movie while at the same time thinking critically about it? Or in other words, how do you keep yourself from overanalyzing the movie and just enjoy it? Uh, I thought this was an interesting question. I know he's yeah. specifically addressing me as an official movie critic, but obviously, Andrew, you go through the same thing with talking about film and that kind of stuff. In Barrett, you even have the the extra thing that that we have with writing for CinemaSins, where there's a distinction between analyzing something for you know the little nitpicks, what's wrong with it, kind of the sin brain kind of thing, versus mm-hmm. just watching and enjoying a movie. So I thought it'd be interesting to kind of get your guys' perspective on. How do you go to a movie just to watch a movie when you know you're going to be responsible for thinking critically about it or, uh, in your case, Barrett, sending it? So, uh, Andrew, let's start with you. What are some of your thoughts on this? What I do, and obviously probably everybody does it different, but I do a post-analysis. I will go into the movie for the sake of enjoying the movie. Like Whenever you and I go and see a movie together, mm-hmm. I'm not going to critique it. First of all, I want to experience the movie as the normal movie-going public would. They go to a movie to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then after the movie, I'll play it back in my head, and then I'll critique it post like that. Now, sometimes I'll be like, during the middle of the movie, like, ah, they're not really giving all that performance or stuff like that, or ah, the CGI is not that good. But for the most part, I'm thinking, what is the story that's trying to be portrayed? Am I enjoying it? Am I having fun? And I just sit down and I watch it just like I would sit down and watch a Netflix thing. And then once I'm done watching the movie, I'll think about it afterwards and break it down from there. It makes a lot of sense. It's very similar to, to how I do things. What about you, Barrett? Well, I mean, we the the CinemaSins process, the, you know, going through a movie and finding little things and it's a comedic exercise, so I have a completely different brain when I watch, um, you know, something for for pleasure. Just went to see Murder on the Orient Express uh, last week, and just enjoyed the crap out of it. Just you know, sat there, did not think critically about it at all. Um, and then, I mean, with, within reason, a, a personally critiquing thing, sure. Uh, but when you when you put your quote sin brain on. You know, you're you're looking at, at at different jabs, a little little like 
fun stuff versus actual stuff versus, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So it's a completely different process to me. It's got to be very, very different for you, Aaron, as, as an actual critic. <laughs> yeah, I there's a responsibility, right? And so for me, what's what I think is interesting is even before I was a movie critic, I don't feel like the way I've watched movies has, has changed. I started thinking critically about films in college, uh, maybe even high school, where it was more than just, am I enjoying this? Did I have a good time? It was about why, right? See, there's that transition you make from, and in, in for most, I truly believe for the majority of people still, even as much as people are getting into film, for the majority of the people, if they walk out of a movie and you go, hey, did you like that? They can give you a yes or a no. But then if you go, well, why did you like that? It's a lot more difficult for them to you know, kind of dig into that and figure that stuff out. That's, yeah. that's not an intelligence thing. That's just a, a different way of viewing a different you know, brain kind of thing. And I think, mm. I think where, um, where I think Girk is, is on to something is when you have the ability to do that or the predilection to do that, it does invade your I mean like you can't help your brain from thinking what your brain's going to think, right? Yeah. So if I'm watching Justice League and I feel like the jokes are completely missing, my brain is going to take note of that for my future review. Now, many movie critics actually have a notepad and write stuff down and for a long time uh, I would use my phone in the back row and jot notes down during the movie. I have stopped doing that completely because I I think I get a better sense of the movie. I found myself more involved in the critical thinking than in actually taking the movie in. So I think there is a proactive thing that I have to do where that I want to do where I take the movie in just as an experience and then I go back to all those little mental notes that my my brain made and start jotting them down. So you felt so did you feel like while you were writing those notes it disengaged you from the movie? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah, it was a way of disconnecting me from the overall experience. Because I was taking the time to actually write things down. Okay. Um, and, you know, I mean, that, that could be, uh, you know, it's similar than, you know, getting distracted by somebody doing something in the theater. You know, there's just those distractions. The more I can minimize those, the more I think I give the movie its fair chance. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so, so yeah, I think there, there is something there uh, to being able to quiet those voices in some way and just say, okay, made a note of it. Let's keep experiencing this movie. You know what I mean? As opposed to getting lost in it and getting distracted by it and missing kind of the overall experience because of that, which I've, I've had that happen. Yeah, I, that's a good point. I've, I've had myself get distracted enough by things that I, and there's also the human element of it, right? Like we're all human beings. So you also take into account the biases that we have, the things that we are predisposed to enjoy or not enjoy. Um, you know, uh, you can get, clicked by a movie in the first 10 15 minutes and it changes the way you see the rest of the movie right yeah uh you can if you see something and then it keeps happening throughout the movie all of a sudden you're more aware of it whereas if you had missed that then maybe you wouldn't have even been distracted by those things or had a bad experience or whatever so i think the best reviews the ones that i love the most are the ones that take into account our personal biases our personal experiences because that's the only authentic way, I think, to experience storytelling is our own personal experience of it. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, that's me. Good question. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Girk. We appreciate it. Uh, if you have any questions for the Sift Quest, feel free to throw them our way. Feedback at siftpop.com or hit me up on Twitter. It's at Aaron Dicer. 
All right, before we finish up, let's do Buried Treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Barrett, why don't you kick us off? There's a new music video out by Harry Styles uh, called Kiwi that is one of my favorite music videos of the entire year. Uh, it's, it's a very Jack White type of song, and the video is hilarious. It's got kids, it's got a big food fight, it's got puppies, it's got Harry. So check that out. It's really, it's like a three-minute video. So, you know, yeah, you'll thank me. Are you talking about the actor Harry Styles from Dunkirk? Correct. The <laughs> one that's always been an actor and has never done anything else in his entire young life. Man, I really hope things work out for that kid. He does seem to be yeah. Kind of talented. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a Justin Bieber-style documentary done about him. <laughs> I didn't realize he could sing. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. What about you, Andrew? So my sister let me borrow this book uh, to read, and I've actually re- I haven't finished it, but I've really been enjoying it. It's called Final Girls. Have you ever heard of it? No, no, I haven't. So. Um, you, you, we've all seen the horror movies where at the end there's only the one girl that escapes, right? Well, all those girls from those different movies, they get together and they all have to try and become the final girl of the ultimate horror experience. <laughs> it's like it's like horror heroine It reminds me reality of, show or something. It reminds me of Cabin in the Woods in yeah. kind of a sense. Sure. And I, like I said, I haven't finished it, but I'm really enjoying it because it really... Not only does it make fun of the horror genre in that way, but it, it understands the horror genre enough to where the jabs that are taking are justified, but you still appreciate the horror elements that are in it so far. I'm having a lot of fun. It's a pretty good read. Nice. Uh, good call. Uh, that's awesome. I have heard about that, and I'm trying to see if it was made into a movie. Oh, was it? Um, there was a, the final girl's... Uh, movie uh with tisa uh, farmiga and malin ackerman and thomas middleditch uh i don't know if that was based on the book but it has a similar premise but i totally want to read that book Very uh, nice. it's more than it's more than possible like i haven't seen the movie but uh looking at this cast it looks like it'd be the, uh, yeah adam divine thomas middleditch it lo- it sounds like the cast it would be for just that do you know how <laughs> many books there are is it a series uh yeah just uh it looks like it's uh, not based on the book. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. A movie with a similar concept that's not based on, on the book. I wonder how that's going to play. Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> needs, somebody needs to sue somebody on that one. Yeah. Um, do you know how many books are in the series? I think it's just the one. Oh, oh. if there, it, there might be, like I said, I honestly don't know. She's okay. just like, hey, read this book. You'll like it. And I have so far. Oh, cool. Yeah. What if the book's based on the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my buried treasure, I just finally got around to seeing Battle of the Sexes uh, with uh, Steve Carell and Emma Stone uh, about the Billie Jean King uh, tennis match that she had with Bobby Riggs uh, that defined feminism for a lot of people in uh, in that age. I really liked it, um, maybe even bordering on to loved it. Uh, I just think they're really incredible performances, and there's something for me about a true story that brings me into another level, and to go behind the scenes on such a well-known event is always interesting and fun to me. Um, so, man, uh, as an Emma Stone fan and a Steve Carell fan uh, and a fan of true stories, I was bound to love this, so uh, I did. I had a really good time, so I would recommend it. Have either of you been able to check it out or seen it? 
Uh, I think it's no, is but it I in want. I, I'm glad to hear it's really good. Um, it, yeah, it was in theaters, either limited release or a very quick wide release uh, about a month ago, and uh, but I just got the screener, so Man, I, I was I able to really check it have out. been wanting to see it because, so. yeah, like you said, that cast is phenomenal. I've been rewatching The Office, so I'm on a Steve Carell kick right now. So oh, I need to rewatch The Office. Yeah, the show is so good. Um, yeah, so I it's a recommend. It's not one that's probably going to pop up extremely high on my best of the year list. Like it's not like you know transcendent movie making or anything. Yeah. But it's a really enjoyable watch, and and again, uh, I love the true story element of it. So there you go. We did it, guys. We did a podcast. Huzzahs! Woohoo! All right. Congratulations to all who have podcasted. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Big time thank you to our producer, Phil, who puts this together. We could not do it without him. Thank you, Phil, for putting all this together and editing it into the amazingness that it is. Also, huge thanks to today's guru, Barrett from Music Video Sins. Thank you, guys. This was fun. Yeah. Do you got anything you want to uh, promote? Anywhere you want to um, you know, push people to go see stuff? Uh, go ahead to um, our YouTube channels on YouTube, Cinema Sins and Music Video Sins. Uh, you can, oh, we've got a podcast called Sincast that Aaron has been on yeah. uh, before. Love having him on. Uh, posts every Monday. So check us out. Um, we're available on iTunes, SoundCloud, all those platforms. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters uh, for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month. It comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more on that at patreon.com slash studio DNA. If you want to connect with the podcast, we would love that. You can comment at SoundCloud, uh, Twitter, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you interact with the podcast, you should be able to leave us a note. You can also email us feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, uh, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than progressively blocking bullets from an automatic weapon. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be next up in your podcast feed, and we'll see you back next week with a special Thanksgiving episode and maybe some chat on Coco. The movie, not the drink. Little marshmallows, either way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.